Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to this week's episode of Thriving Through Menopause with me, Clarissa. I've got a really different podcast today, and I'm excited to be talking about kayaking, whitewater rafting, adventures, but something that is relevant to us all in menopause is courage and confidence, something we can be lacking. And I'm really delighted and honored to be joined by Anna Levesque to share with you her whole ethos, I feel, around encouraging people to have greater courage and confidence. Welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you, Clarissa. Thank you for having me. I'm it's excited. It's very to be exciting here. because you and I had a pre chat, and I really just loved the work you've done. I mean, you are a leader in the outdoor industry um, and working with mental agility, and you're a whitewater kayak. And that probably makes everybody go, ooh, whitewater. <laughs> I mean, but you've been an international <laughs> athlete. For 30 years before you founded your company, Mind Body Paddle, and you also wrote a book called Yoga for Paddling. Very exciting. How did you get into, or how did I say, how did you transition from being an athlete on the international stage to doing this work? Oh, great question. So I, uh, whenever we, I would be at a competition and training with other women, colleagues, I would notice that we would often make the same quote unquote mistakes. It's not the best word, but it's the word that comes to mind in our training. And so, and then in addition, I was, I was competing in freestyle kayaking, which is like a little bit like surfing where you're surfing a feature and you're doing tricks. In between the competitions, we'd be running really difficult whitewater. And I would also be having conversations with my colleagues about what that was like for them. You know, we'd just be chatting about our experiences. And over and over again, the uh, conversation turned to, you know, I was really scared or I was so frustrated. I wanted to cry, but I didn't want the guys to see me cry. I didn't want them to know that I was feeling scared. And I, so I pulled over and, you know, whatever, had my cry or got my fear out and, and got back on the river. And so there was a thread of women experiencing the same types of situations, essentially not being able to show up as themselves fully, myself mm -hmm. included. And, and the thought kept coming up, well, why we're all experiencing the same thing or similar things. And so for me, it was the first time, one of the first times I felt, 
oh, I'm not the only one. Like I thought I was weird or not courageous or that there was something wrong with me because I was, wasn't always feeling confident compared to the men I was paddling with or uh, wasn't always feeling, uh, you know, that I did have fear or sometimes I did want to cry on the river, not because I was so scared I wanted to cry, but because I was frustrated with myself or not feeling good enough. So when I heard all of the, when I, you know, realized that there were many of us had these themes in common, but no one was talking about it publicly within the industry. That's when I started to shift from an athlete to, I really think I can make a difference, not just for high-end athletes, but for women who want to be more adventurous, who want to get into this sport, who want to be more uh, confident and courageous, but they feel like they're the only ones that are feeling scared or frustrated or unsure of themselves. And that's when I created my first instructional DVD for women that was back in 2004. It was called Girls at Play. I was in my, I think, late 20s and wanted to put something out there that had some instruction and more importantly, uh, had the conversation about mental agility and what what a women, what women's experience on the water was actually like. Amazing. Um, And that's obviously grown into this, this core around mental agility, but what is mental agility? Sum that up for us. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. As far as I can tell, there is no, you know, specific or accepted one definition of mental agility. What I like, how I like to think of mental agility and how I define it for the work that I do with my clients is your ability to move quickly and easily from a mindset of dis- feeling disempowered to a mindset of feeling empowered. So we, you know, and whitewater kayaking is an amazing activity to really refine, hone, learn your, this type of mental agility skill, because if you're at the top of a rapid, it's normal to get scared. It's normal to have some self-doubt. And if you continue down the rapid, if you start down the rapid feeling that way, chances are you're not going to end up where you want to end up, right? Or the river might, you know, take you in a different direction. And so it's important to accept that, yes, I feel disempowered in this moment. And here's a strategy, whether that's breathing, uh, whether that's self-talk, whether that's a discerning fact from the story you're telling yourself about what's mm-hmm. actually going on because there's what's going on. And then there's the story that we're telling ourselves about what's going on and they don't, they, they often don't line up. And so that's, that's how I think of mental agility and why I love whitewater kayaking as a metaphor for. Yeah. And I mean, agility. on the water, things move fast, don't they? So you've got to be able to, to really switch. And I, I suspect if you had a, a negative mindset, you might find yourself out of the kayak in a dangerous situation. Well, it's true. And being out of the kayak is part of the sport. And I want to say that, yes, you know, the thing about whitewater also is it really shows us the power of context. In other words, how we look at life or any given situation. I like the, the saying, practice hard moves in easy water. So in other words, practice the hard moves in a low consequence environment. And that's what I do with my clients. 
we don't start out in the fastest water, obviously. Whitewater kayaking, I have clients of all ages up into their 70s who have learned whitewater kayaking with me, who enjoy it, who love it. And so we start out in water that's slower and class two, we learn the hard moves, the, the river running moves that we will need in more difficult water if you just, just if you decide to pursue that. And then because we're working on those moves in, in a low consequence environment, we refine our skills and we're able to build our mental agility. And as you move up, the water might appear like it's moving fast, like, oh my gosh, this is so fast. Then the more you practice and the more experience you get on that same water, all of a sudden it slows down. But it's not actually the water that slows down. It's your context for that environment that slows down. So I think that the practicing hard moves in easy water really helps to shift the context and to gain confidence mm. in any situation in life, whether it's public speaking, uh, a new, you know, taking on a new job or, or new project, whatever it is, challenging ourselves with doing it in a way where it doesn't always feel yeah, so Yeah, and that is so right. I mean, if we practice or do anything in safe space, we learn some skills, don't we? And then we think, oh, I got this. Yeah. Uh, and and we kind of building up those exactly. skills so that when we're facing more difficult situations, then oh, I can do this. I've got something when it feels a bit tough. And I think there's a great analogy yeah. for the listeners here in perimenopause. A lot of women are way mm. down this journey with no preparation, and suddenly go, oh, this is really hard. Whereas if we had as you said, mm -hmm. practice hard moves in easy water earlier on, or even in our 30s, I'm quite sure that the experience would be very different. Yeah, I, I agree. That I love that analogy. I love how you're pulling this together. Because, yeah, it's hard to prepare for perimenopause. Because, I mean, I'm grateful for you, right? And and folks who, who are doing the work you're doing to bring attention to this uh, to this topic, because as I'm sure you know, and your listeners know, and I know from starting to look up things like, why am I having heart palpitations? <laughs> like, is this normal as part of hormone? You know, it, it, you know, something that I've personally experienced, and it's hard to prepare for that. Having said, having said that, what I, I love what you're saying, and, and it's part of what I work. So I work with my clients in whitewater kayaking. I'm also an Ayurvedic yes. health coach which is Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga. I believe you've, you've had some, uh, an Ayurvedic have, practitioner yes, on yes. your podcast before, which is wonderful. And what I love about Ayurveda and having a, a really healthy, positive, uh, consistent, most importantly, morning routine or daily routine and having strategies to manage stress because really a morning routine, uh, a daily routine is, is uh, essentially... Um, nervous yes. system regulation. And I think that that really helps, or at least I can only speak for myself. It has helped me and it has helped some of my clients during this phase of perimenopause, right? It, for instance, when I started feeling, you know, I, I went through a phase where I was feeling heart palpitations at night. I had no idea what was going on. It was so scary. And I have, I had strategies because of my self-care yes. work that I've been doing since my thirties of learning how to calm myself down 
and uh, and so I could say a lot more about that, yeah. but I think it, it is important yeah. to prepare ourselves. But it's never too late, even if we're in yeah. perimenopause, we can start these. Yeah, you know, absolutely, we now. can start where we are, wherever, whatever the time is. But I, I but I, what I really love yeah. on the other side of the work you do is the reversing of the negative conversation because that is a huge mm. part of the public narrative of perimenopause for a variety of reasons that are to do with people making a lot of money about you being disempowered and and right, right your work is so much about empowering us to have that mental agility to be back in the driver's seat which is where I see the real you know fantastic link between the work you do and where women's yeah. minds are at this time of life or can be yeah yeah and I think it goes back to uh, what I mentioned a little bit earlier what the the fact versus story or uh so that that has helped me so much in my life to be able to discern again that okay what are the facts that are going on right now and then what are the what's the story that i'm telling myself about what's happening most of my suffering comes from the story that i'm telling myself about mm. what's going on you know and it's not what's going on when if i look at it just as the facts and so uh, an analogy from whitewater kayaking is as you mentioned before you can find yourself out of your kayak and so when, and we're all, we have a saying that, that we're all in between swims because no matter how proficient you become as a kayaker, we will make mistakes and we will flip over and yeah. sometimes we'll miss our role and we end up swimming. And so when I look at the facts of a situation like that, it's, I flipped over, I, I, I wasn't able to roll. I pulled my skirt. I came out, I swam to shore. Maybe my friends helped to rescue mm -hmm. me. And I'm on shore now. Those are the facts. I pull my skirt. I swam out of my kayak. Now I'm on shore. The story that I can observe myself telling myself is, oh, I'm a crappy kayaker. Why am yeah. I even here? Maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Maybe I'm not good <laughs> enough. Oh, my gosh. Everyone that I'm with right now thinks I'm a terrible kayaker. They'll never want to kayak with me again. And it just keeps going on and on unless I'm able to say, yeah. okay, <laughs> oh, hold on a second. Pause. Okay, and come back to what just happened. And because what happens is that when we're not aware of the story, the difference between what happened and the story we're telling ourselves, then we start to take the story we're telling ourselves as the truth. But it's no, really not no. the truth at all. No one was no one in the group is thinking any of that. <laughs> Everyone is just happy that I'm okay. You know, we're all a group together, yeah. everyone's in between swims. So I think what you're saying is really important and how we, so how we talk about perimenopause, what's actually happening, what are the strategies I have for yeah. what's happening or the resources versus what am, what am I telling myself? And then also what am I telling myself a story because I've been told to tell myself <laughs> well, that story I've been yeah. taught or as you say, what's the societal narrative? Exactly, yeah. And I love the way you kind of summed that up and drew that back to the whitewater kayaking. I mean, when you work with your clients, you obviously work with them on the water, but you also work with them off the water, don't you, Anna? 
how how does that uh, play yeah. out? What kind yeah. of um, ways do you help your clients to do to build their courage and confidence on and off the water? Yeah, well, I, I have um, I think it's I have a holistic approach. So of course, there's the kayaking skills which we've talked about a little bit. Uh, then everything that if we if I want to have a strong mental mm-hmm. agility that my mind and my body are connected. There's no separation. And the science is very clear on this now. And, and so I help my clients. I have a wheel, right, that I use. And I like that analogy. It has eight spokes on it. And so each spoke represents a, a facet, an area of life, which I feel is important mm-hmm. to address, strengthen in order to build yes. courage and confidence. So it includes self-awareness, morning routine, sleep, mm-hmm. because sleep is so important, right? Nutrition from an Ayurvedic perspective. It includes yoga or mindful movement, right? Which I, which I um, love. Oh, Setting yes. boundaries, right? Protecting what's important to us. So we say <laughs> yes to what's important to us and no to what's yeah. not important to us, uh, which is a big one for, for women, and uh, so I think that's important. Um, and then adventure to me is very important. And um, now I'm forgetting my last uh, <laughs> spoke. But in any case, there, yes. there are different areas of the wheel. And when you think of a wheel, if you ride a bicycle, and you, if one spoke on, on one of your wheels is a little wobbly, that's okay. Two spokes, mm, that's probably okay too. But the more spokes are wonky then you're not then your wheel starts to break down and get all wobbly you're not going anywhere anymore and I feel like mental agility is like that so many folks in my my paddling clients will ask me well how do you calm yourself down in the uh, like at the top of a scary rapid or a challenging rapid Uh, because I need a strategy and my my answer to them is another question well where else in your life do you practice calming yourself down what are your mm-hmm. strategies? Is it whether it's yoga or meditation or again, breathing? Um, and, and are you getting enough sleep so that your nervous system can yes. settle? Right. Are you, are you, you know, fasting? And I don't mean like no, no, crazy no. intermittent fasting. I just mean giving your digestive system a break between meals so that again, your, your system can calm down and rest all of these things will lead to courage and confidence. We can't just think of it only as practicing mind, you know, things no. about our thinking or our self-talk, which are important. Yeah, that, that's very, very true. I mean, well. it is a fully holistic wheel because as you said, all the, and all of these things are kind of interconnected, aren't they, Anna, with each other? They're not, it's like, like not like sleep is disconnected from your yeah. diet or from your, your mind. They're all knitted that's right. together. Yeah, that's, it's so true. And the more you actually start to research, listen to science-based podcasts about the gut microbiome and sleep and the different hormones that regulate hunger and a feeling of being full, you learn that those hormones get out of whack when you're Mm -hmm. not sleeping enough. And then they're not sending the signals to your body that you are full. So you keep eating uh, or you you don't get the signal to 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 stop eating, and it's because of lack of sleep. So I I find all of that so fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then the gut microbiome is is only you know essentially is uh, your immune system 
because they're so close together. And then there's the gut brain axis. So I also talk about this a lot with my kayaking clients that, you know, so in kayaking or in any, if you, anything that you do that you might be afraid of, right. You might feel an urge. You need to go to the bathroom (laughs) or like a big rapid. Ooh, that's your brain, you know, feeling an emotion, fear, sending a signal down to your gut. And we're used to that. That makes sense. Or feeling butterflies in our, you know, stomach getting nerves. What we're, what we're now learning from the science is that our gut, when it's, when it is, uh, when we're not, when our gut microbiome is uh, weak, I'll use that word or out of, out of sync, or we're eating a lot of things that inflame our gut. Um, it's also sending signals up to our brains. And, and so that affect our mood, um, including depression and anxiety, which I find fascinating. One of the latest studies I read um, was saying that they are finding the same gut microbiota in folks who are suffering yes. from depression. And so there's more, more research to be done, you know, and it's pointing to that what we eat, uh, and according to Ayurveda, yes. when we eat, because we want to have a strong digestive system, uh, can affect mm-hmm. our mindset. So all of it, if we want more confidence and courage, we do need to look at all of yeah. these factors. Yeah, and I think that is really about seeing ourselves as a whole system rather than the thing we do with our brain is somehow disconnected from what we eat or how we move. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You talked Agreed. a little about your clients are all ages. What is the average age of your clients? I would say the average age of my clients is definitely 45 to, I would say, 60, right in that range. And I love that (laughs) (laughs) because, well, because so many people think, they think of whitewater kayaking and they think of like 20 year olds, which I was, I was very uh, fortunate that I learned when I was 19 by, because I had a a job in the kitchen of a whitewater rafting company and you know just fell in love and pursued it from there actually told my parents I wasn't going to go to law school (laughs) I was going to pursue a career in whitewater they were not that happy about that but so it's worked out so um and having said that you know I've had clients who have started with me in their 60s and now they're in their 70s and they are loving it. And they actually have achieved paddling up to class four. Ah, Not that you have to, I mean, there's there, you can enjoy it at class two, class three, class four. um, And they feel so empowered and so healthy. And, and uh, I just, again, the fact versus story. (laughs) So, you know, the, the fact is, is that anyone can learn how, how to kayak, right. With the, with a, uh, an effective progression that sets up a welcoming environment and is, is student centered. And it, you know, just because you have a number and age, what does that even, what are you making that mean? That's That's a really good one. What are you making that mean? What what are you making that mean? Because if you're making it mean that you can't do adventurous things, then I think that you're, potentially missing out on a lot of fun. And the, so courage is being afraid and taking action anyway. That is how you build courage. And so 
it to build courage, we need to break mm-hmm. out of our comfort zones. And so if you think, actually, I was speaking with a friend, uh, just, or maybe it was a client, actually, it was a client yesterday. And she was telling me, yeah, now when I feel the butterflies, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. That's when I know <laughs> I should do it. <laughs> I should take that on because that is, she's actually trained herself to, to know that that little fear is a sign that there could be some really awesome learning and growth on the other side. I think that's I thought so that cool. was really cool. And I, and I love that there are people in your group of clients who are beyond 60, because I think there is a certain narrative running out there in, in the menopause world that wants to use words like deficient and depleted. And that's right. really bad language. It's very sort of like, okay, so unless you do this and this, this is it, it's over for you. And and here you are with your right. clients showing something very different. I mean, you're really showing that this is completely different, that, that it's entirely possible for us to be doing adventurous, courageous stuff at any age. Yes, I 100%. love that. I love that. And, and some of them are continuing to kayak. I think you told me, what, how old was your oldest client? I think you told me when we chatted before. Well, one, I want to say that my oldest client is maybe even late 70s, like 79. <sighs> Wow. So, and, and still on wow. the water. Wow. Yeah. And, um, I think it's totally possible and awesome. And I think that anyone listening, <laughs> if you have an adventurous spirit, whether that's, you want to get in a, into a kayak or on a stand up paddleboard or whatever it is you want to do, you know, instead of, instead of telling ourselves or yourself do that, turn it yeah. into a question. Well, how yeah. could I do that? Yeah. And and just be open to possibility. Just be open to possibility and see what comes so up. Fantastic. Because it, it is possible. possible. And I've told the story of earlier on the podcast that I used to go riding. I used to have horse ride. I had horses. And I can remember being, you know, young and a bit crass in my, you know, we are when we're in our early 20s. <laughs> and a lady rocked up at the stables and she would have been well in her 50s. And she said to the guy who owned the place, and he was an older guy too. And he, she said, I'd like to learn to ride. Do you think you can teach me? And he said, sure. And he bought her a horse and she was riding till she was 80. So I love that so I much. That it. story stuck with me. And, you know, we were all thinking, what? This person, how old is she? She's going to learn to she get up on the horse. Well, you know, we can get up on a step. You know? <laughs> but, you know, there she was. She, she yeah. learned to ride. She bought a horse and, and away she went, you know. So, yeah, anything is possible. Yes. I love that. And I love that. I just love that midlife is such a turning point. And you see that with your clients, I'm sure, that this is somehow we've waited, we've done things for others, and now we do best for ourselves. Yeah. I think that's that that's true. And that's why a lot of the clients I work with are uh, yeah. empty nesters or they don't yeah. have children. Um, and I think that it is a time where women start to want to re it's not, I don't know, maybe redefine, remember, yeah. uh, re-engage with who they are and what they want. And that's why in my wheel boundaries are so yes. important 
that it's okay to set a boundary around what's important mm-hmm. to you. That you don't have to keep saying yes to everyone and everything around you. You can start um, saying no to something so that you can say yes Def- to what's important definitely. to you. And, um, you know, even in my life, I, you know, yeah. I don't have children. I'm uh, turned, I just mm-hmm. turned 49 and, and I think I have a, a desire to continue uh I feel like I can, I'm getting better every year. (laughs) There's more to learn. There's more to grow and then to give back, but in, in a way that is empowering, right. Where I'm not just depleting myself. No. Well, and that's a very important thing that we are powering ourselves up in some way, as opposed to giving it all the way to the people. And, and I, and I think, I mean, you touched on a really important point that you don't have children. And I think the menopause narrative is often very kind of mother centric, but okay, I'm a mother and I think my child is wonderful, but it, it tends to be that road. But I think, you know, you're birthing something else, aren't you in this business and in the work that you do? Yes. And I, well, for me, and that, that's, that's been very, important for my own mental agility and my own courage and confidence in my life. Uh, my husband and I, we, we did try to have a, a family to start a family and we tried everything natural. We tried IVF, nothing worked. We were categorized as uh, uh, the 20% of unexplained infertility. And of course we had our yeah. grief yeah. going through, yeah. going through that. That was difficult. We learned a lot. We were also very clear from the beginning that we were only going to do IVF mm. once. And if it didn't work, we, that we would, that we had lives to live. Yeah. And, and so uh, we went through that grieving process. Mm. And one of the, one question that came up for us, that was really, that really helped both of us, our relationship and my life was we're not creating children together. So what are we creating together? What do we want to create together? Again, turning a limiting statement of we're not having children into we're not, you know, what, what are we creating together was so transformative. Right. And, uh, you know, the answer was a, a adventurous life full of love and fun and contributing to the world in a way that looks different than raising children, which I think is very important. I have a, a lot of respect for, for moms out there and uh, it, it's a it's a big deal to raise mm. to raise children, uh, and you can also contribute to the world in in a different way. And that's so my business and the work that I do is is part of that, creating more empowerment, courage, confidence because I because I can, um, and yeah. and I'm passionate. But I about think it. that's beautiful, and I think that is such a lovely way to look at what could be seen as you know, by society, oh, you know, there's labels around that. But instead here you are birthing a wonderful business, creating something that in turn changes people's perspective on their lives. Yeah, mm. that, yeah. That is thank you. And it, it kind of goes back to, you didn't use the word, but you used it earlier. The same thing with menopause, like deficiency yeah. or that there's something wrong, you know, and I get it. I am, uh, you know, if, you're not having children, I am not experiencing something that's very like common to the human race and to being a female um, or having a female body. Uh, And uh, again, right. 
mental agility is the ability to move quickly and easily from feeling disempowered to empowered. So I don't have to accept the deficiency story, the something's wrong story. I can, I can instead turn that into, wow, I have this time and opportunity to contribute Exactly. And that is, that is really, yeah. really beautiful to see it in that way. And I, I think that shines through in, in all the work that you're doing. I mean, if you look at your clients, I mean, do you, what is the thing you notice that they're beginning to embrace courage and confidence? How does that often show up in them? That's a great question. Okay. On the river, how it shows up is they start leading for themselves. They start getting out in front and choosing their own path. And I think that is such a metaphor for life, right? So in a river, you learn to read the water. And that's a beautiful skill because you start to see where the most obstacle-free paths through like what seems like crazy (laughs) whitewater, there's there's typically a path. And, And when I see that they're building courage and confidence, they get out in front. They're choosing their own path, which also means that they are taking responsibility for when it works and when it doesn't work. And they're learning from when it, it doesn't work the way they thought and when it, when they're super successful in getting to where they want to go. And yeah, I think that's a metaphor for life. When we have courage and confidence, we are taking responsibility for our lives, for ourselves, instead of buying into all the yes. narratives and, and the, the negative self-talk, we say, okay, this, I really want to do this. This is a path I want to take. It might not be a common path. I'm going to go for it. And as I navigate this path, yeah, I might hit <laughs> some rocks. <laughs> you know, I might, I might get pushed over here, but again, uh, I think it's really important. What I love about the river analogy as well and whitewater kayaking is yes. the river flows. It does not go in a straight line. There are bends, there are swirls, there are places that come back around. And and so that really helps me in my own life too, to remember to yeah. be like the river because we can get really oh, yeah. in our culture, especially just <laughs> there's only, you should only go, you should only grow as a business. You should only get better. <laughs> And then we, or at least for myself, I'll be get hard on myself if I feel like I've gone backwards or taken Mm. steps back um, when really that's part of the flow. And I think that is that constant drawing on nature as a really good metaphor for teaching us Mm. about ourselves and life. Beautiful. Anna, if I, if I, if someone here is listening and think, wow, you know, how do I even, how do I start? How do I get going with uh, this idea to take adventure? What would be your advice to them? Well, I, so my advice would be do some research and find if you're really new and it's not something that you've been doing, find an outfitter or a coach, a teacher, a group, um, a club, uh, that, that, uh, seems to have a, that from what you can tell has a welcoming environment that is very uh, student or client centered so that you can show up and they will, they don't have a kind of, okay, you want to learn kayaking. We're going to put you with 
you know, someone who's in university doing their, <laughs> you know, that only has like one, one summer of experience and they're just teaching it the same way that always, um, not that young people can't have amazing contributions. They can, um, it, there's something to be said about experience also and being able to set up a progression. And, uh, so find, find a, a group that, or a coach that you feel you can trust and start there. And again, it, it is an investment. It's an investment of time, you know, to be a go on adventures. Sometimes it's an investment in gear, uh, depending on what you're choosing. And that's part of being okay with investing in yourself, that what is important to you is worth your time, your resources, uh, and um, because it brings you joy, yes. right? And there's there's really something to be said for that. Uh, often women, or in my experience, women will feel guilty about investing in yeah. themselves, taking so much time to go on adventures, like, do I really need an adventure? Um, and the answer is yes. <laughs> Because if you think about that and it brings you joy, you only have one yeah. life, right? And you may as well live it to the fullest. And if you have that feeling that we talked about earlier, like, oh, I think I want to do this, then it's totally worth investing because what you will, right? It's hard to put a value or a return on investment on yeah. courage and confidence. But when you look at it, it, go, it will affect, positively affect all areas yeah. of your life. So, and, and that means it will positively affect all the people. In your <laughs> yeah, life. definitely. That so is there you go. Amazing. Anna, if people wanted to get in touch with you, learn more about your work, how do they do that? Yeah. So um, you can go to my website, mindbodypaddle.com. I'm also on Facebook, Anna Levesque. Uh, and there's the Mind Body Paddle page on Facebook. Uh, I'm at, my handle is Anna C. Levesque on Instagram. And I have a YouTube channel. You can search Anna Levesque YouTube. And I have YouTube channel that has mm -hmm. some instruction. So you can get a little bit of an idea of the work that I do on the on the water. And also I have playlists that are divided into mental agility, you know, sure. kayaking, I teach stand up oh. paddleboarding as well, um, which is also a wonderful way to get on the water. Uh, and I offer a monthly free webinar that you can uh, find also on my website and they're free to register. So <laughs> many ways to connect. I would love to connect with anyone who wants to work on mental agility and that adventure. Is fantastic. Yeah. We're going to put all that on in the show notes so people can find it. Anna, thank you so much in coming and sharing and just so much passion for the work that you do. And I think providing some really amazing thought starters around how we can build courage build confidence and live the life that we want to live as we step into our midlife and beyond thank you well thank you Clarissa you're welcome and thank you so much for having me on and thank you for the work you're doing in the world I really oh, appreciate you, you. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that because it helps others to find the show. 
Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.